Hello and welcome to the Farm Traveler podcast. This is episode 26 and our guest today is Daniel Leonard. Daniel's a really good friend of mine. We grew up in Bluntstown, Florida. We've known each other for about, I'd say, 28 years, which is basically how old we are. Um, our dads were best friends. Our dads taught in the same school system in Cowan County, Florida. Daniel grew up in a very forestry-rich environment with his parents and kind of their timber farm. We have a lot of passion for agriculture. We were both in FFA. We both went to the same land-grant university at the University of Florida. And he is now an extension agent. He used to be an extension agent in Walton County, but he just took up a position in our home county of Calhoun County, Florida, as their extension director. Daniel's going to talk to us about the job of an extension agent, their master gardener program, thoughts on the farmer-consumer relationship, and also how much I suck at fantasy football. So it's a really cool conversation. I really hope you enjoy it. Again, this is episode 26 with Daniel Leonard. Well, welcome to the Farm Traveler Podcast, Daniel Leonard. How are you doing? Man, I'm doing good. How are you? Oh, I'm doing great since I'm talking to you, buddy boy. It's been a uh, while. So it has been a while. So we've had the pleasure. Man, our dads are best friends, and then now we're best friends. We went to the same... All right, l- let, me, let me see if I can do this without messing up. Elementary right. school, middle school, high school, community college, university. So everything. We've known each other for quite a while. So That is true. We've gone to the same school since we were five years old. <laughs> it's like we can't get away from each other, man. I know. And I'm going to see you at the end of the month for a fantasy football draft too so man i'm hoping not to finish in the bottom two for the first time ever so i'm gonna actually do research in the next couple of weeks so we'll see how that does <laughs> you you've got such a solid streak going on you might not you should mess with it i know i mean hey if it's consistent better to just be consistently bad than to get good for one year <laughs> than just be bad the next year so so daniel you are an extension agent with the university of florida well no, hang on before we get into that, tell me about kind of your start in agriculture, kind of how you got bit with the agriculture bug. Oh my. So as you know, I go way back um, in ag. I grew up on a timber farm. Um, my folks have owned that for, owned and operated for about the last 60 years. Um, and of course, we've been involved in timber um, for over 100 years in one way or another. Um, but owned a farm in Calhoun County, Florida for about 60 years. So I grew up on that and, you know, just going out, um, controlled burns in the wintertime, you know, uh, trimming brush and trimming uh, logging roads in the summertime. Can't say that that was the most fun thing I ever did. If it was probably just that, I would not still be in agriculture because <laughs> forestry didn't really do it for me, to be honest with you. Um, it wasn't until... Um, I got in high school through FFA and was exposed to some other aspects of ag that I really got interested um, in the field. Uh, we were in FFA together for a while. We were, man. We were. We were <laughs> back in the four years in high school. Good old times. I mean, I wasn't the big shot state officer like you, but we did <laughs> well, do a lot of competitions. Um, we traveled a lot together. Um, I was, I mean, we did, the Leonard's for sure had an advantage uh, in the our, our good mutual friend, Max Hernan and his brother, Stuart, also had a mutual advantage in forestry, um, a little unfair advantage. So we uh, we tag teamed um, 
different groups of Leonard's and Herndon's on that forestry team for a few years and just won several national competitions. And, you know, we both, both of our families have been involved in ag for a long time and forestry in particular. So that was really good experience, but it wasn't until Ron Mears led me into the horticulture and landscape FFA competition that I really got interested in ag, to be honest with you. And then a, uh, I call him my horticultural mentor, uh, Mr. Tommy Williams, who is actually dis- was distantly related to you since passed on. Um, sort of became my mentor in that, and he helped me root my first hydrangea and helped me build a little propagation area at my house. And man, that's just what got me into it. Um, and so since then, horticulture has always been my thing. I'm, um, you know, not into the agronomy side as much, though I have gotten into that a little more recently, but. Since I was about, that was about when I was 14. So, um, you know, for the last 14 or so years, I've been, um, you know, all in, headfirst into uh, production horticulture. And I started in high school working for Oglesby Plants International when we were seniors. I worked a little couple hours a week um, and then through Chipola College. Uh, Oglesby was a great experience. Tommy was there. Uh, electrician and so he introduced me up there to him he helped mr ray oglesby get started when they first moved their production facility up from hollywood florida to alpha florida the big city Uh, (laughs) booming metropolis of alpha booming metropolis of alpha florida for sure Um, but little little would anybody know they employ nearly 100 people are one of the world's leaders in uh, tropical foliage production and research so um, they're an outstanding company and the friends i made there and just being exposed to like large-scale um production horticulture just I mean that was an incredible experience and just confirmed for me that I was um, going down the right path but to be totally honest with you uh, I kind of diverted from agriculture there for a few years Um, would you like to guess why that happened Mm, no why why did that happen Mm, uh, I was smitten by a lady (laughs) <laughs> so, huh, okay I thought, okay yeah so I, I became an english major i thought i wanted to go to law school um while while all this was going on i had since worked um i had quit oglesby um to pursue that you know school full-time and was an english major uh, i interned a little bit um with a local attorney um and so anyway i thought i wanted to be an attorney and I'd followed this girl to the University of West Florida in Pensacola as an English major. And before school even started, um, we broke up. <laughs> so, <laughs> plot twist. Yeah, plot twist. So I decided that I did not want to spend the next two years of my life in the same classes as her. Um, she is a wonderful person, I'm sure. Um, but that just wasn't a thing that I was interested in doing. So this is not about agriculture at all, but it leads me back there <laughs> while I was Pensacola, I said, you know, I'm not going to do English. What on earth am I going to do? I'm at UWF. Um, they don't, I mean, they're mostly known for like marine science and actually they have a good archaeology program of all things. Um, but none of that really interested me. So I said, what can I do? I love horticulture. Let me, let me see about that. And so I was contemplating a move to Gainesville. And then randomly my mom uh, texted me one day and said, Daniel, there is a horticulture program through UF at Milton. And I was like, what the heck? I have an apartment in Pensacola. I can just commute there and that'll work out great. So, I mean, that couldn't have worked out greater. I got to work under, study under some of the, you know, great uh, professors, Dr. Brian Unruh, you know, maybe the world's leader in turf grass um, research and now an extension specialist and associate center director um, was my primary professor and uh, my advisor. So that was just an incredible experience also. Uh, 
And so I was just, it's just weird how life works out, man. Like I wasn't thinking I was going to have to move 400 miles to Gainesville. And uh, it's one text. My mom goes, they have a campus in Milton. It really did change my life. Uh, And so I got back in. Uh, My major was uh, environmental horticulture. Uh, So that's, that's what I did. And that's how I got back into horticulture. Uh, I interned several times. Uh, That's one thing I would say. Uh, to anybody listening to this podcast uh, in the future that is interested in a career in agriculture or horticulture, any other agribusiness is, you know, get your feet out there and just intern and work for as many different types of firms as you can to kind of see where your niche is. Because I never would have known that my niche was going to be where it wound up being had I not, uh, you know, first worked for Oglesby um, and then interned with Flowerwood uh, Nurseries, one of the largest nurseries in the United States. And then, um, you know, meeting people at trade shows and talking to them and learning their business. And finally, I interned at Panhandle Growers International, a really big uh, ornamental tree farm, shade trees, uh, field dug, bald and burlap. That's where I interned the last time. Um, I was actually offered jobs three places I interned out of college and picked Panhandle Growers. Um, And so there began my actual career in agriculture. That's a long way of saying where I got worked there for uh, three years that's a production at production horticulture is an interesting field like i mostly dealt with because you know we we're commodity you know we can't pay that well so you mostly are dealing with um you know high school dropouts and you know h2a yeah, that's true that learned a lot of spanish and learned a lot of construction type stuff um, i learned how to drive a semi and a, a loader a skid steer but um, the production techniques and you know, all of that that I learned, it, uh, integrated pest management, everything I learned there has really been invaluable. Uh, pretty good story. I mean, you never know where you're going to wind up. And it's pretty good. You got three three offers from all the places you um, interned at. I mean, yeah, like you were saying, interning is a great way to kind of not only learn some like real world application, but also a really good thing to like make some connections for whenever you actually got to go get a job. You have people, you know, some people that can kind of vouch for you. So, yeah, really good point. Yeah. So it's. I mean, it's just real cool to think about like where your life could have gone had you taken these different opportunities. Like one of the, the firms I was offered a, a job at out of uh, college is now a uh, medical marijuana grower. So that that would have been uh, completely different than where I wanted to be. And I'm glad that <laughs> didn't work out. Um, but I'm glad things worked out the way they are. Uh, and I feel like I've had a major impact, been able to have a major impact on more people as an extension agent. Um, but you know, getting back to to what you just said there, yeah, you never know. Like with the places, I've made some amazing contacts through those uh, different internships, and you know, uh, I've actually had a chance to use all of the people that uh, I've met uh, contacts at Flowerwood, at Panhandle Growers. They've all taught classes for me um, in extension. Um, they've just been great sponsors and you know advocates for the commercial horticulture industry and extension as a whole. So, well, there you go, man. It's not, I've learned more and more, it's not what you know, it's who you know. So it sounds like you got some really good contacts there too. I mean, the University of Florida is an amazing college, but I learned probably 80% um, of what I know in horticulture through working. So there's only so much you can learn in the classroom and reading the textbook, to be honest. Oh yeah, no, when I, I mean, when I went through the Ag Ed program at UF, I learned a lot of really good stuff, but you don't really learn until you're actually teaching or until you're interning, then you learn how to actually handle kids, 
to handle lesson plans. So yeah, real world learning is always kicking the butt of classroom learning. That's for sure. It sure has. Um, and uh, you got to learn as, as I did that um, the public is a fascinating place. Mm. Mm. It is extremely fascinating. <laughs> extremely. We'll later, I'm sure. Oh yeah. So, all right. So you're an extension agent and we've interviewed one before from Maryland. And I know most counties in the U S have some sort of extension agency from that state's land grant college or land grant university. What, tell me specifically, what does your job of an extension agent do? So what is your exact job? So, yeah, I mean, as, as your listeners who listen to that podcast with a gentleman from Maryland know, um, Extension is a cooperation between the federal, state, and county governments um, and the land-grant institutions in each state to um, deliver that research-based information from the agricultural colleges to the public. Um, and that's really what I do on a daily basis. Um, I, my title is the Walton County Residential and Commercial Horticulture Agent, and so my clientele are Literally every person, my potential clientele are every single person who lives in Walton County um, and the the commercial guys, the landscape professionals who maintain, um, you know, those landscapes um, and within commercial horticulture, um, as Walton County defines it in my job description, I also get to interact with um, some protected ag growers like um, hydroponic uh, producers, um, commercial nurseries, and which we have actually several commercial nurseries. Um, so that's really fun. That kind of lets me do what I'm really passionate with. Um, but extension is amazing, man. Um, I, I honestly, I'm one of the people I'm totally guilty. I had no idea what extension was when I was growing up, uh, because, um, you know, we were a large timber producer and let's be honest, it's not that hard to stick a tree in the ground and wait <laughs> 20 years and then cut it down. You know, yeah. uh, I'm not, I know that there is a lot more to it than that, but um, Extension just in our county did not have much to offer in the way of forestry resources. So we dealt more with the Florida Department of Ag and the Florida Forestry Association and Florida Forest Service. So I didn't know a whole lot about Extension when I started, but I've come to know like um, Extension is just such a great resource to bring really bring research to the public that, I mean, there is just an incredible amount of misinformation out there and just a craving of people, uh, for good information. Uh, and so that's probably the number one thing I do on a daily basis. Actually, the, I would think, I think it's the most important thing I do is dispel misinformation. Um, in a lot of ways, like, uh, the internet and Google is incredible. Um, you can Google anything. You know, my plant has black black things on the leaves. What is wrong with it? And you can get a lot of answers. But, um, you know, there's a lot of bad information out there, too. And that's one of our primary jobs is just to be a filter for that and offer information that's actually research-based and productive as opposed to things that are just straight up wrong. Um, uh, I don't know uh, if you've interviewed anyone that's talked much about the glyphosate issue, but that's, that's just a good example of the one of the, some of the misinformation that I deal with on a daily basis. That's probably the most popular topic, to be honest. I can imagine. Yeah, that's really popular right now. Yeah, it's like, oh my God, Roundup is killing me and my kids and <laughs> my plants and everything. It's in our water. It's like, um, no, it's really, it's actually not. Um, you know, unfortunately, there's just a lot of misinformation out there. Um, you know, glyphosate, we'll, we'll just take this example for a minute, like, is... Uh, was defined as a probable carcinogen. And what people don't realize is that if glyphosate is taken out of our toolbox, we're going to be relying on things that are much harsher, um, much more expensive than glyphosate. For instance, there's a number of products that are not 
uh, probable carcinogens, but just straight up will get, cause cancer, you know, if, if incorrectly used for a long time, that are much more dangerous than glyphosate and not nearly as effective. Um, and so the plight I have is um, sort of connecting the, the horticulture, we'll call them producers, but they're really landscape professionals in this case, with the consumer who, um, you know, don't, don't understand what it takes to, to make it in the industry and don't under, have a lot of misinformation about um, what is and isn't good. And so just dispelling misinformation is probably the biggest thing I do. Um, and the second thing extension is um, that's a really good benefit um, is just to be in a great diagnostic tool for all types of clientele. Um, you know, even for um, the big the big companies, you know, the big farmers, we're still a trusted diagnostic tool um, because there's just a limit to things that you can look up on the internet accurately um, and get information about. Like, um, so if somebody can text me a picture of a leaf and without driving anywhere, or really even talking to them, I can tell them what that plant is, what's going on with it, and you know, that's just really powerful. People. That's something that Extension does really, really well, and I'm proud to do. Um, the third thing that we do that's really important in commercial horticulture is pesticide licensure. And so this is something that I really try to educate my residential clientele on. Hey, um, all of these folks that are applying pesticides have been trained by me or people like me, um, and really they have to go through an intense class, an intense training, and get a license, and they really know what they're doing. They have to sit through continuing education every year. Um, and so we try to make this as safe and as research-based as possible for everybody. And so just keeping those commercial guys on their toes um, is, is something that we do. And finally, just Florida-friendly landscaping. Are you familiar with FFL at all? Yeah, yeah. So Florida-friendly landscaping is a huge thing as Florida grows. Walton County actually is one of the fastest-growing counties in the country. It is currently the fastest-growing county in the state. And so with that, almost all of our growth is south of the bay where they have almost none of one vital resource. Do you know what that resource might be? What is that resource? <laughs> that resource is water. <laughs> so, <laughs> really? Yeah. So there's basically no fresh water um, along the coastline. So uh -huh. what we put in from North Walton, um, north of the bay, down to South Walton, so everybody can flush their toilets and drink clean water and do all that good stuff and take a shower. Um, so people uh, at the Florida Friendly Landscaping Program was just developed really to be a, cons a conservation tool for our water resources because ultimately that's the limiting factor in Florida is water. Um, and that's probably the most important resource that we have. You know, our tourism depends on it. Our, our literal livelihood depends on it. So Florida-friendly landscaping is basically just using landscaping in a smart way um, to maximize our resources and sort of minimize our inputs while still being an attractive landscape. So I help with that program. Um, and the fifth thing that I do that really brings me joy on a daily basis is just general, uh, being a general consultant and dealing with the public. And the public is such a strange place, uh, an, an interesting place. Yeah, no, I can imagine. I mean, especially with the, gly the glyophosphate stuff going on right now. I mean, people are like, oh, it's killing us. It's in all of our food. Yeah. And kind of how you're talking about how people that apply pesticides, they go through trainings and people don't realize that at all. And so I'm sure you get frustrated answering the same questions over and over and over again, just about the same fears that all these people have. Yeah, it's like if I have one more homeowner tell me they refuse to have glyphosate applied in their yard, I'm going to have a fit. Like, um, <laughs> they're like, oh, glyphosate is, it, you know, it's in my water. And I'm like, glyphosate is broken down into basically inert ingredients immediately, pretty much immediately after uh, it hits the soil. Like, if it doesn't contact living plant tissue, it's almost immediately broken down through natural processes. So it's, 
Um, it's one of the best uh, weed killers we have, and one of the actually one of the most environmentally friendly. Which the, the general public just chooses to ignore that. Like, uh, you know, some of the the more popular chemicals that we've used in recent years. Um, almost everybody's heard of atrazine. There's not a single water sample taken in the state of Florida that does not that does not have some atrazine in it. And you know that's uh, that's a harmful chemical, and that's really scary. And that's an example of a class of chemicals that does get in our groundwater and is used widely. Um, and it's going to be used more widely if we lose glyphosate, which is something that is a real thing. Um, you know, Miami-Dade, the city of Miami has actually banned glyphosate, and there's been several um, municipalities across the state of Florida that have banned it. Um, and when that happens, we uh, you force landscape professionals to turn to products that in many cases are harsher and in most cases are more expensive. And so yard care is going to become more expensive. Um, you know, that's a major product that farmers use. So food is going to become more expensive. Um, so when you take something out of the arsenal for no real scientific reason, that really causes some problems. And that's one thing I think Extension does a great job of is just connecting these people with actual science and fact, you know. So just because you read it on Facebook doesn't mean it's true. <laughs> <laughs> Preach. Yeah, we, we interviewed a farmer, and I want to buy one of her shirts that says, ask a farmer, not Google. And so I'm, oh I'm going to buy God. one and make you one that says, ask an extension agent, not Google. Yes, please. Before you Google <laughs> something, just give us a call, man. It's like, so Who are you going to call? Your local extension agent. Your local county extension agent. There is one of us in all 67 counties in the state of Florida. So uh, Florida has one of the strongest extension programs in the country. Um, and just just use it. Uh, we're here for you. We're you know we're literally funded by your tax dollars. So you you <laughs> let your tax dollars work for you. This is one of the few government programs where you get direct benefit regardless of who you are. Um, so so utilize us. But um, with that, I would say that we talked a little bit earlier. Like this is uh, my last month on the job in Walton County. I'm actually moving home um, back to Calhoun County where I will be the county extension director. Um, and my job is going to expand a bit because. It is a sort of a one-man show. Um, I won't be get to specialize quite as much. I won't be just horticulture. I'll be the agriculture, the horticulture, and the natural resources extension agent in that county. So uh, I'm looking forward to sort of expanding my reach a little bit into my home county, our home county, um, and helping folks there. Because goodness gracious, you know, uh, they, <laughs> they they could use it. They need it. Yeah, you're going to be not just an extension agent there. You're going to be the extension agent there. We have a 4-H agent, but um, as far as production ag and hort um, and natural resources go, I'll be it. You will be it. What are some challenges that you are expecting that you're going to have once you get there and kind of like try to try to help it grow a little bit? So what are some challenges you think you're going to face there? Yeah, so challenge number one um, would be that uh, Extension's perception there is not fantastic. Uh, I mentioned that I was not super aware of Extension coming up. Um, you know, a lot of the farmers and Ranchers and timber producers and horticulture uh, producers there just um, don't utilize extension all that much because there hasn't been a strong presence um, uh, off and on throughout the years. So just challenge number one is um, just becoming a trusted resource, being there. Challenge number two, you know, my background is in horticulture. There's several major horticulture producers there getting in with those guys. Um, and then finally, you know, there's a ton of folks that have landscapes that are now bare after Hurricane Michael. So just helping people re-landscape smartly and make good decisions in their landscape um, is going to be important as far as horticulture goes. What about the forestry side of, of, of things? Are you going to kind of bring some more stuff to the table for all the timber industry that's there? 
Yeah, for sure. Um, I mean, there's over a hundred thousand acres, I would guess, of or close to it of timberland in Calhoun County. Maybe more than that, private timberland. Um, and you know, being able to host forums and uh, you know bring specialists in to you know give some programs that will be of value to those folks. Um, and you know, maybe host a control burning class from time to time, or you know, give a, a farm tour of a forestry operation from time to time, and just raise awareness of that industry. Because unfortunately, as we have seen after Hurricane Michael, with the um, the government response and just the um, the really sad nature of people forgetting that it even happened, because it happened in a rural place where people aren't aware that um, major um, agriculture industry occurs. Um, just bringing some awareness of that. Um, you know, is will be important to me. Yeah, I yeah. mean, it, like places like Mariana, um, Sneeds, Bluntstown, Clarksville, places like that are still struggling. And we talked with Will, your your good old cousin, a few days ago, and yeah. he was talking about how like Bluntstown's still struggling. And he said that your brother David did the math, and there was enough tree damage to stretch around the world like two and a half times just based on the tree damage that they had to pick up. That is nuts, man. Yeah, if you just laid the trees in there and you could wrap around the world twice just in that 30-mile swath that Hurricane Michael had. So, it's, And you would know David would be the one who would do some math like that. So, well Oh, yeah. But, uh, he's, a, he's a smart <laughs> cookie, man. <laughs> yeah, that, that's uh, one way to put it. But, yeah, um, there – that is honestly, um, I was waffling back and forth, you know, don't let my parents listen to this because they think I was coming home the whole time. But <laughs> there was a, there was definitely a time when I was like, I don't, man, I don't know, you know, after a big hurricane like that, all that devastation, do I really want to move there? And really the, um, just more than even family being there was just being able to help a community like that and knowing that I can have an impact on people's lives day to day. Um, that's just an opportunity that I couldn't turn down. Um, you know, so it's a challenge and I'm looking forward to it. No, I mean, I don't blame you. Have you ever heard of this thing called the rule brain drain? Uh, yes. So I, I had not yeah, heard of ahead. it, and it was so fascinating to hear about it. Go ahead. Yeah, so it's really unfortunate. Like, let's just take my immediate family. So um, there's five of us, uh, myself and my brother, and then my three first cousins, Will, Michael, and JP. Um, I had to leave um, because there was not – um, a big a burgeoning horticulture industry that was there to keep me um, you had to leave there was not an opportunity there and you're you know you're not in our family but just as an example um, David my brother is an engineer and wants to be a dentist and he's probably you know there's not room there's uh, maybe room for one dentist in Bluntstown and that's it so he's gonna have to live somewhere else JP wants to be an attorney same thing um, and you know Will and Michael if the forestry industry um doesn't get some federal aid and some things get figured out, they're going to have to leave because there's not going to be work for them. And I think that's what you're talking about. Like, um, and you know, we could name off folks, you know, some of the, the really, the really, I would call them achievers out of our high school class. You know, <laughs> almost all of them are, are no longer in Bluntstown and rural places like that, because that's not where the industry is. And so that's why some of these places I think really stagnate and, um, when you get a when you get something like Hurricane Michael, why it really affects these communities and they don't just bounce back like they do in other places, just because the people aren't there that can do those things. Oh yeah, I remember seeing something after it was like a week after Hurricane Michael when people were still struggling to get power back, and it said like Bay County has like eighty percent power back, um, Gulf County has ninety percent power back, Calhoun <laughs> County had two percent, two percent. Of the people in Cowan County had had power. Other 98% yeah. no power yet, but nobody would cover that. 
No, that's not going to make the news because we're a rural farming community. I mean, all we do is uh, put toilet paper in your bathroom and <laughs> food on your table, but we're not important, you know. So um, that's that's part of my job is to change that perception. Well, hey, man, well, best of luck to you. I mean, you're going to be the extension agent. I mean, you've always been my go-to horticulturalist, and I've probably bombarded you with Oh man, what's wrong with my coleus now? What's wrong with my little fruit tree right now? So yeah, what's that thing you had in your backyard? Is it even there anymore? There was oh, a gosh. tree. You, I don't know. You, <laughs> you probably got uh, blown away. I don't so, even know. So Allie just walked in. She's probably gonna slap me for talking about this. But we had, we thought it'd be really cool to have like a wedding tree for our wedding. You know how people get like a oh wedding yeah, the citrus or whatever. tree. That's right. Yeah. yeah so, so we got a citrus tree, and it was a yep. lemon and lime tree, and so it was doing pretty well. We had it indoors back when we lived in our apartment. Then we moved to a house. We had it outside. Well, it would struggle, struggle. I would send you pictures, and yeah. man, it's 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 dead. But luckily, our marriage oh, is no. strong, but our <laughs> tree is die? dead. Did it die? It 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 did die. It's oh, still no. um, oh, no. it's still in our garage with the pot, oh, with God. the sticks. It's still there, but I'm just too ashamed to throw it out. You know, Actually, whoa, whoa, success, hold on. I, you're not. I'm not gonna. Ha- I'm not gonna get the opportunity to put you in my annual report as a success story. But you know, that's okay. Dang it, dang it. Well, <laughs> I don't, I don't, I don't you know. Don't have a picture as a citrus farmer. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't know if I told you the whole story though. So that's we decided on a crepe myrtle, and I was uh-huh. like, "Oh, this would be beautiful." So I went to the store to buy a crepe myrtle or a, a nursery, and you know, it was January. So you know, you probably know what I'm getting at. Yep. I come home, it's a bunch of sticks with no leaves, and Allie's like, we're not going to use that. I was like, okay, well, let's go buy something else. So she picked out a citrus tree, which is fine. So the citrus tree died. The crepe myrtle was doing a little bit okay, and then all of a sudden, it died, found a whole bunch of ants in it. So we went 0 for 2 for our wedding trees. So our marriage is still going okay, but the wedding trees were kind of gone. Yeah, maybe we need to do something else there. That's pretty funny. I've got... I have a persimmon, a Japanese persimmon in my front yard. I love persimmon fruit. But anyway, every winter when it loses its leaves, Allie asks me what that dead stick is in my <laughs> yard. It's like you didn't notice it. You never notice it when it A has leaves on it or B has fruit on it. You just see it when it's a, a quote unquote dead stick. So um, you, that's you just only notice it when it's dead, not when it's pretty, but when it's exactly. dead. Exactly. Yeah. It's just expected to be pretty. And when it's not, it's a dead stick. So, you know, <laughs> this is the way it is. That's awesome. Well, Daniel, this has been cool. Um, you know, you've said if people want to learn more about extension, if they have a question about some plants or anything, they can go. Basically, they've got to find their local land grant university. So here it's UF. So they just got to find an extension agent through UF. Where else can they go, especially here in Florida, for some really good information about taking care of their gardens or just in just to get better agriculture information? Um, so, yeah, so there is a number uh, of course, we're going to start you with extension every time um, because that is, um, the, in my opinion, the premier unbiased source of information. Um, you know, we're not unbiased with our football teams, go Gators, but we are um, unbiased when it comes to research. Um, and so we're going to give you what we know um, up to date. And so that's where I would point people first is to their local county extension office. Um, every county in the state of Florida has their extension office and every extension office has a website. So if you don't actually want to go to your extension office, um, give them a holler on the phone, um, check out their website, shoot them an email, something like that. Um, if you're the next place I would point folks to for uh, horticulture advice is just your local uh, independent nursery. Um, i you know, I shop at the big box nurseries all the time, but unfortunately their employees there might have spent the previous shift in lumber. You know, they just don't know a whole lot about the plants out there. So if you want to go learn something about plants, 
hit up your independent nurseries and garden centers and uh, check out those purveyors. And in particular, if you're uh, lucky enough to have a nursery that's um, in the Florida Association of Native Nurseries, that is an excellent resource. Um, those people are super knowledgeable. Um, one of my current master gardeners owns a, a native nursery. And man, those folks are passionate about what they do and are super happy to answer questions. And so that's where I would point them to there. Um, and then just for general agricultural information, um, search out places like your podcast, uh, your website, and um, other places that are giving you the facts. You know, don't, don't please don't get your, uh, like like we talked about, don't get your information on Facebook or Google. <laughs> so if you do. Yeah, Google, exactly. One thing I always tell clients, if you're going to Google something related to ag or horticulture or something like that, always Google um, and then put a .edu or, you know, trust those sources that have that .edu or .gov behind them um, because those are going to be university sources, government sources, and that's going to be, um, you know, research-based, non-biased information. We don't have a product to sell. We're just giving you the facts. I like it, man. All really, really good points. Talk, talking about the chain store ones. Uh, that always reminds me of the meme, you know, when Ron Swanson goes to a Home Depot or a Lowe's or whatever, and the guy's like, hey, man, do you need help? He's, and he, he, he just says, I know more than you, son. <laughs> so true. It's like, so I'll, great. I'll go to Lowe's um, like a couple times a week. To the, We have a, actually a pretty good garden center at our Lowe's here in Defuniac. I'll go there several times a week and just see people making terrible decisions with the plants that they're picking out. And I so bad want to go up and be like, ma'am, please don't plant, pick that. Go pick this instead. And anyway, I just can't do it. <laughs> it's like, it's, a hey, it's such a struggle. <laughs> I can imagine it's like, hey, it's my job to not tell you what to buy that plant. So please trust me, don't buy that plant. Don't listen oh to the God. employee. <laughs> yeah, I mean, and Lowe's, they have this. Um, are you familiar with like their one year um, like guarantee on plants? No, I didn't know that. That's a thing. Yeah, so like when I see people buying some of this stuff, like these people are buying tulips and like. Tulips want to grow in Holland and Canada and these wonderful places like that. They don't want to grow in the dang uh, heat and the humidity and all the rain and all that stuff we have here. Every disease, plant disease known to man loves it. All the insects love it. And so anyway, I might, you might as well, I want to tell the people that work at Lowe's, like you're going to see that guy in a year. You might as well just go ahead and set that money aside because you're going to be giving it back because you're selling them stuff that is not going to work. Uh, anyway, that's my soap, <laughs> that's my soapbox rant for the day. That's yeah. hilarious. That, that, that's a good that's a good rant to to end on though. <laughs> yeah, I mean, if something's not going to grow in a cold climate and then grow here in in hot, humid Florida. Yeah, I mean, and people don't realize that. And I mean, you know, whatever your thoughts are on climate change or anything, it's probably not going to get a lot cooler and nicer here in the near future. So you know, yeah, plan for yeah, the heat. That's a fact. That's a fact, Jack. And uh, so. <laughs> Also, related to Parks and Rec, man, I am not watching. I watched Parks and Rec actually when it was a thing on TV. But you know what I just discovered? Did you just discover The Office? Oh, oh, I did. I just discovered The Office. I am 28 years old. It is 2019. (laughs) And I just discovered the world of The Office. Well, okay, not to get you even more excited, and I am stoked about this, but so Steve Carell, who is... um, Michael on the office. Sure. He Michael is teaming Scott, with Michael, Netflix. My hero, the Lord and Savior. The best boss there is. <laughs> yes. The world's greatest boss. World's great that's what it is. The world's greatest yeah. boss mug. He and Netflix are teaming up to make a TV show about the Space Force. And it's gonna be just like the office. It's gonna be amazing. I hope so. Man, I'm almost, I'm almost done because 
Like I'm, I'm scared to death that I'm not going to finish it because NBC is, you know, coming out with their new streaming service, oh, yeah. and I have Netflix, and like they're going to take the office off, so I'm scrambling to finish. I, <laughs> we've, we've binged like six seasons in the last three weeks. It's absurd. <laughs> You're going to have to binge the rest of it real quick. Yeah, because like I, you know, there's just a limit to what how many subscriptions I'm going to have. Like I've got the Hulu, I've got the Netflix. <laughs> I've got the ESPN, you know, I've got my uh, cable. I just, I mean, you can't have everything. So you've got the necessities say, right now. Yeah. You got, you got to have my sports. So I have to keep the cable and, you know, I, you know, like many people, you know, I just, how do you, I'm curious before I say this, how do you get Amazon? So if you have Amazon prime, all you've got to do is just download the prime app on like, TV or I whatever. I'm aware of I have a fire stick. However, my mom has an Amazon prime account. <laughs> oh yeah use hers we use my parents you see, you see where oh yeah so uh amazon is not making any money on me right now because i use my mom's prime because i'm a millennial and that's what we do is mooch off our parents for as long as possible <laughs> hey i mean you're not you're not wrong at all i mean i have my mom's prime my sister's net sister-in-law's netflix you know so i do have my own cable and sports and everything so i'm not well, a total well, total mooch well that's a plus i mean all of ours we get all of our cable channels through my paw-in-law, and then my parents' Netflix, Allie's True. Netflix, oh. Allie's parents' Netflix, so yeah. Typical millennials. That's okay. We're just milking the system. We're milking the system, and that's okay. That's <laughs> all that matters. We're enjoying it, and that's all that matters. We didn't make the system. We're just living in it. <laughs> the system's broke, and we're just taking advantage of it. That's all it is. <laughs> that's right. Man, it's been great. It's been a cool conversation, man. We'll have to touch base with you soon about something else. In yeah, general. man, we'll, we'll we'll reconnect once I'm in Calhoun County and get that figured out. But uh, I'll probably yeah, yeah. You have to let me know how that's going. It's been a, it's been good talking to you. Likewise, I'll see you in 15 days for our fantasy draft. I no, love you, but I hope no, your team you changed the date. Oh, oh, when is it? August 30th. August 30th. Okay, it's, I can do August 30th. It's still a Friday. Okay, but it's August 30th. Let me let me write that down. This is 100% getting cut, but that's okay. <laughs> it is. That, that's totally okay. Like I've yeah, said, the podcast time, is made same in place, the edit. But two weeks after August the 30th. Okay. Perfect. August 30th. Deal. Well, Daniel, yeah. Daniel, thanks for being on the podcast, man. Take care. Thanks for being on. We'll touch base with you soon. It's been a pleasure, my man. Have a good one. Cool, man. Hey, everyone. We're trying to make things easier for you to listen to the podcast. We are now a part of the Waypoint Outdoor Collective, and that means you can now find us on an additional platform. We're now available on the Waypoint app on your Apple TV, Roku, or Amazon Fire Stick, smart TVs like Samsung, and even game systems. While you're on there, check out over 2,500 of the best hunting and fishing shows and short films, download the app, and watch and listen anywhere.